Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. I am very happy to introduce Margaret Steinle today. Margaret is working for the city of Munich in Germany and organizes the project Power M Perspektive Wiedereinstieg. It is Germany's largest project for supporting professionals to return to work after an extended career break. Power M advises about 500 women each year and is funded by the EU, the German Ministry for Women and Families, as well as the city of Munich. Margaret studied business administration and has experience in the banking, communications and consulting industry. A mother of three, she works part-time and knows all about balancing two jobs. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Well, thank you, Karen, for inviting me to your amazing podcast, and I'm looking forward to our talk. I'm always asking my guests, where are they calling in from, and is there a particular site or local food that they would recommend for anybody visiting their area? Well, I'm calling from Munich, Germany, and of course, the most famous thing about Munich is its Oktoberfest, and everybody drinks beer and eats fried chicken. However, unfortunately, this year we are all pausing due to Corona, so hopefully if you come next year, it will be again Oktoberfest. I remember many good times at the Oktoberfest, and I even, I think I was there like as early as two years old. I think that was my first Oktoberfest. So probably with some beer in your hand. <laughs> yeah, for some picture. So now for our listeners, um, you and I met over two years ago when I visited the Power M office in Munich. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to work for Power M? My background is in business, uh, marketing and communications, and I worked most of my professional career uh, at companies in the banking consulting industry. And about six years ago, like many mothers, I was thinking about my uh, next career step. And I was looking for a position which allowed for flexible working hours. And I came across a job offering at the city of Munich for Power M. So I started to work uh, six years ago uh, for Power M. And what I liked very much about it, that it is a program which supports mothers like myself to re-enter the labor market after a period of taking care of the children and um, therefore maybe not knowing what job to look for or what kind of direction to go to. Um, therefore, it's, I think, a very good program um, to support women. I have to admit, when I first did my research worldwide about best practice programs supporting women to return back to the paid workforce after a period of absence during 
doing um, unpaid care work. I was really surprised, to be honest, that in my hometown, there is such an excellent program. And I was very happy to see that. Now, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about the history of Power M? Um, how did that get started? Um, Power M started in the year 2009. At that time, Ursula von der Leyen, who is now the head of the European Commission, was responsible for the German policies for families and women. And her ministry started a project um, for women who wanted to re-enter the job market after taking care of their families. In Germany, we had for a long time a more traditional role of women, especially of mothers. And therefore it was quite common for women to take uh, a longer time of uh, um, staying at home and taking care of children. Also because childcare in Germany was not very common. And uh, so we had many women who stayed at home for 10 years or longer. And when they went back to work, um, they discovered it wasn't easy. There weren't many part-time jobs. Um, they had sometimes outdated job skills and, and no professional networks. And therefore the program which was started about 10 years ago was trying to help those women to reconnect with the labor market. The program started uh, in about, at about 20 locations throughout Germany and each local project tried to implement some activities and help women. And in Munich, we have been doing this since 2009 and helped over 5,000 mothers to get back into the labor market. This sounds like a, such an amazing program. And so you mentioned more than 5,000 returners that you have helped over the years. Could you give our listeners a little bit of a background? What type of education and professional experience these returners have? I always like to describe uh, the typical participant in our program. Mm -hmm. um, it's of course a woman. We have about 1% men who have been taking a leave, uh, family leave, but a very, unfortunately, still not very many. Um, so it's a woman in her early 40s. Um, she has on average two kids. And she has been out of the um, labor market for about six and a half years. And we have women with a very good education coming to Power M. About 80% of them have a university degree, at least bachelor. And uh, some about 20% they have um, finished vocational training and also work experience. So we have uh, on average very um, educated women who have uh, professional experience in marketing, in management, uh, also in uh, engineering. And um, they only have the, the, the challenge that they have been out of the labor market for so long that they are, don't have any confidence anymore in their professional skills. And that's what we are trying to do. We are trying to help them to rediscover their professional skills and become more self-confident. Thank you. And I think that's one of, in my mind, one of the things that I really hope in the future that societies worldwide view people who are doing a lot of unpaid care work as someone who is actually honing in on their soft skills, which are transferable, 
going back to the um, paid workforce from a leadership perspective. I think, as you mentioned, one of the things that um, people really still find challenging is when they try to return is that they are looking for flexible type of work. And now you mentioned on your website that 80% of the returners go back to some type of a flexible work. Could you share more what type of flexible work arrangement um, the organizations offer where they go back to? Um, yeah, we have um, most of the women um, uh, going back in part-time jobs. Um, in Germany, we have a quite open uh, regulation for part-time jobs. I think every company which has more than 15 employees is um, by law required to offer jobs in part-time. So that makes it much easier than I think in other countries for women to find part-time jobs. And um, the there's a great flexibility what means part-time. It can be 20 hours, it can be 25 hours, it can be 30 hours. And we actually recommend that women who return to the labor market to start with at least um, 20 hours per work, which is considered uh, half of the regular working hours, mm -hmm. just to be more present, just to be uh, learning more about the companies and also being able maybe to pursue a career path in the future. So about, I would say about 70% of our returnees return with 20 to 30 hours per week. And uh, companies are also becoming more and more flexible because they realize that a lot of those part-timers are very dedicated and they are also very productive and therefore start to offer those part-time jobs more often. One other thing, as I was looking at your website, um, are you seeing more what I call the sandwich generation applicants for your program, which are people who might have, you know, children that are maybe early teenagers, but at the same time are also taking care of um, either, you know, elderly relatives or elderly parents? We see that increasingly. I, uh, the Statistical Office of Germany just published that parents are getting older and older when they have their first child. Mm -hmm. I think for women, it's now 30, which I think is also older than in many other countries. And of course, they might have then children who are still at home and still at school. And at the same time, uh, an elderly relative is getting sick and they have to take care of that. And that actually increases the pressure on those families tremendously um, because um, taking care of an elderly it's hard to plan it sometimes happens very suddenly right. and you have to make sure that you get all the support and uh, medical care um, we started also to include in our program some uh, advisory for um, uh, for participants who have uh, that problem of trying to combine caretaking with their job and um, it's very stressful for these people and uh, one of the, the, the things we find where we can help is just to help them 
um, with information, with access to networks, because there are many possibilities where you can help, but it's not very easy to get the information and find those places to go to. And our goal is to help a lot of those participants to stay in the labor market. Um, we have, for example, women who come to us when they have their children and then they get back into the labor market and then they come back five or six years later and say, now I have to take care of my father, of my mother and it's just too much. And then we try to support them to be able to uh, stay in their jobs and get the relevant help. That is really wonderful that your organization offers this because as you said, it's like as people get older in general and then people having children later, it, it will likely become more and more of a, a, a problem. So, and then what you're describing, I'm sure when people contact you, just the fact that they are able to talk to somebody and, and discover a network of other people in a similar position and being able to exchange and, and, and seeing what best practices are. I, I just think that is such a wonderful thing. And I'm hoping that other countries will also offer that as well so that people, as you said, can stay in the paid workforce while also figuring out best solutions on how to do caregiving for elderly relatives. Um, as we are talking, Germany obviously also has been quite heavily impacted by COVID-19 and I keep watching the news and um, because I, I would say that Canada is probably always about maybe three or four weeks behind Europe as far as where the development is going with COVID. So, how has your organization been impacted by COVID? Um, yes, we have been, uh, we had, of course, we were surprised and uh, had to rethink our program all of a sudden in March. And I think it impacted uh, our program in three ways. Um, the first one was that a lot of our workshops and seminars were um, meetings, group meetings, um, which were really good for women who stayed at home and taking care of, of, of their children or of relatives to get out of the home, of, out of their home and be able to learn that they can get away from their family to work on their professional career. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, nobody can, could leave their home anymore. And we ha had to start to do a lot of programs of workshops online which where we were afraid in the beginning that it wouldn't work because um, some women didn't have uh, access to newest technologies. And we mm -hmm. were surprised how well it was received and how easy it was for um, uh, mothers who stayed home to be able to do Zoom meetings and update their CVs online. So it gave a huge push for uh, digital work which we think is actually a positive outcome out of the whole COVID-19. Um, 
On the other hand, we of course see that especially mothers are much more severely affected by taking care of their children, homeschooling. I mean, everybody knows how much work that can be. Mm -hmm. And of course, of course, it's mothers who are taking the major burden with that. Uh, we had done a quick survey among our participants to see how it's affecting them. And uh, some of the mothers answered that they have five hours more of care work each day. Wow. Um, and that's of course a huge effect on them. And uh, about 60% that said that they will postpone their, um, their plans to, to start working um, until they are sure there's no homeschooling. Now we were all hoping that it's over by summer, but now we see it's gonna continue. And um, uh, we are afraid it will be affecting uh, women more strongly. Um, and the third point is of course that uh, the whole labor market is suffering. Um, so far in Munich, especially, we don't see that women are more affected by unemployment, luckily. But uh, of course, there are not many new job postings. So it's going to be more work to re-enter the, into the workforce. But of course, we are very optimistic that Power M will still be supporting women and that we all have still success stories despite COVID-19. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I I always try to look on the bright side and um, you know see the silver lining. And to your point, um, learning how to do Zoom calls and doing a lot of things online in a way that already helps everybody trying to return back to get more familiar with technical um, programs that they would have to learn later anyway. So in a way, it's, it's sort of like, you know, a faster learning curve. <laughs> Absolutely, it's fast track learning. Um, all, I mean, even within our organization, we talked a lot, a lot about digitalization. And of course there's some people who are always skeptical mm -hmm. and it's been like a big incubator for, <laughs> for digitalization, which I think is really positive. And it, it also means that those participants learn about, a lot about job skills. And another effect is that um, uh, working from home, home office has become uh, very, very common. Uh, I think it's gonna change also corporate cultures and we still don't know where it leads to, but I'm still hoping that it might be in the end positive for women who try to work and take care of their families. I fully agree. When you look on your website, one of the things that I find really, really exciting about your program is that not only are you actively supporting professionals who are returning back to paid work, you are also um, offering services for employers. And so can you share a little bit more, how do you connect your returners and the employers? Um, yes, we always said from the beginning, if you want to help women to get back into the workforce, we need also to bring them in contact with employers. And uh, in Munich, we have a lot of small and medium-sized company, not only BMW or Siemens. 
and they actually had were looking for a lot of skilled labor in the past couple of years. So we offered those small and medium-sized companies free job postings in our PowerM network. The only requirement for employers was that it is a job which is for qualified women. We didn't want to have any low qualified jobs in our network. And the other requirement was that it's also ideally a job with flexible working hours. And then employers could post a job offering for free. And we also made sure that they did get the right application. So we tried to get some matching going, saying we, we helped women to write the application and we made a pre-selection of applicants. Um, besides the job posting and matching, we also used uh, several events like a Power M forum. Um, where we invite employers to talk directly to women who want to re-enter the workforce and to present their companies, to present jobs, and also talk about uh, things which they find is important. And uh, all our participants said that's very helpful to get some direct insight from corporations. What I really, really like is what you mentioned that you're looking or you're giving a free advertising to organizations that um, provide a potential job opening that is beyond the um, entry level position, but at the same time, hopefully flexible. Because I think that's a lot of the issues that um, people face when they're trying to return, that there might be um, part-time positions available, but they tend to not match the education and experience level they have. And so it really isn't a, a good match. And I think that's what I really hope different or other countries are starting to, you know, do as well to offer more part-time level position, whether that is maybe job sharing or in some form that matches that experience and education level. I, I think that's that's actually key because uh, I know that qualified women are quite often frustrated if they find a job which is below their levels of qualification. So actually that's one of the main goals of our program to uh, help women to find jobs which are adequate and where they can still grow and where they have potential to develop. And um, that's also what we do in our talks with employers to make sure it's not a entry-level position. Right, and, and I, there aren't in my mind worldwide enough examples yet that show senior leaders in organizations or in governmental positions who have taken time out and have come back successfully. I mean, the few I can name is, for example, Sandra Day O'Connor, who was um, the first female Supreme Court judge in the US. Or Nancy Pelosi, for example, she actually only returned to politics or, or, or started politics when I think it was her youngest child was in maybe the last year of high school. And she actually said that a lot of the skills that she learned from the um, 
parenting of her children she is applying when dealing in politics. So yeah, so I, I feel there is still a, a lot of potential out there. And so I'm very appreciative that your organization is pushing that forward. And um, now one other thing I was curious about as we're talking about it, have organizations come back to you and told you like person so-and-so we hired and we were really impressed with, you know, her skill, quote unquote, on paper, but also we see that while she has been um, doing a lot of unpaid work, that these skills have transferred. Absolutely. Um, we have some partners in the, in the corporate world who come back quite often and ask us, we have such a great person working now for us. Don't you have anyone else who, <laughs> for another position? Awesome. And, we, uh, and we actually have done a little survey. It's about, I think it's uh, three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. We ask um, uh, employers what they find are relevant skills that women which return to the workplace bring with them. And they said um, they they appreciate the the time and self-management mm -hmm. um, which those women have if you organize a family you're usually very good at time management and self-management and another point which i find also really interesting they said they they bring with them uh, or they're very very motivated um, because they usually appreciate that they get a second career chance. Um, and they also appreciate to get out of the, their, their, their home environment and be able to work. So they are usually very motivated and they are not the ones who want to have a promotion after two years. They, uh, of course, we all hope that they get a promotion, but they are very committed and motivated and that's appreciated by employers. I, I can completely see this. If I'm an employer and I hire somebody and this person is interested and willing to stay with my organization beyond, say, a year or two, then just from a cost perspective, I have to deal with fewer recruitment costs or training costs to replace that person. And from the research I have done, it definitely sounds like somebody who is returning back to paid work um, tends to be more loyal and um, as you said is very appreciative that an organization has that more maybe holistic viewpoint and is willing to um, be more um, in interested in a more diverse workforce and ultimately sort of give them a chance to prove themselves and I feel um, the again the more we can have examples and role models, the more, um, I think, I hope, other organizations can see what a difference it makes. And if somebody has a more non-linear background, that they can really use all of the skills from different back, you know, experiences to mm -hmm. maybe solve problems more innovatively than maybe somebody who would have been a more like, you know, linear 
um, resume kind of person. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have, uh, we had uh, also top uh, leaders who said, I want that woman who had four children because she knows how to manage things. So we <laughs> think, uh, we think it's uh, definitely growing. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, um, we have people listening here who might be a senior business leader or an HR personnel and who find all the things very interesting, but might be a little bit skeptical about, well, how do we deal with somebody who has maybe more limited technical skills? Um, at Power M, we help uh, the participants uh, to update the technical skills. We also provide uh, classes for uh, IT and we have developed a, a brief assessment of IT skills mm. and, um, and uh, our participants then can say or can see maybe I need an update in in Excel or PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And I also think that that might not be needed because uh, we see probably a lot of very amazing self-learning online programs also as a result of uh, COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a woman who gets that second career chance, she's gonna be willing to take uh, uh, online classes to maybe um, catch up and update her skills. So I think um, I would tell an executive not to be afraid because uh, somebody who has the will or is willing to come back and uh, will also be willing to, to reduce the technical skills. And also our experience is that technical skills isn't the problem. Uh, in most cases, it's more, more self-confidence yeah. and being too able to, uh, to name the skills and competences uh, acquired in the past. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree. And it, it all goes back, the more we see people having successfully returned and like as you said, naming these skills, what have I actually learned through these years? And I, I imagine you see that often people are surprised um, when you work with them to realize, wow, you know, I've learned so many leadership skills because maybe for them it's become very natural and they don't even think necessarily about how that translates. Absolutely. We also, a lot of uh, women are doing a lot of volunteering. They manage mm -hmm. their school team where they do financing, marketing, networking. And um, we see also employers increasingly appreciating those skills which are acquired outside the regular workplace. And we also encourage women to include some of those skills in their CV to, to be able to communicate them. That sounds really great. Now, one thing in the US and um, also in the UK and more and more in India, um, in my research, I'm seeing that there are so-called returnships. So it's basically like an internship for returners going back together as a cohort. So there might be maybe four or five or 10 women mainly starting together and like, um, you know, 
it, it varies in, in, in duration. It could be maybe six weeks, it could be up to six months where they work together and then they very often get offered a full-time job. And so I haven't seen that in Germany, but I was just curious whether in, in your experience, um, some of the organizations you are working with, if they maybe hire more than one returner at the time, um, I think it's a fantastic idea to provide something like an internship for returners. I haven't seen that for uh, uh, candidates outside the organization. Um, in Germany, we have, uh, or women have the possibilities to, I think, get up to six years leave uh, from their companies when they have two children. Mm -hmm. And then they still have, are able to return to the corporation. So a lot of companies are focusing basically off their, on, their, on their own employers who are returning. And they try to have a contact, stay in contact program for these and they organize events. So they are focusing more on their own employees um, who are taking a longer leave on absence. But I haven't seen anything yet for... Um, or other candidates, which I think uh, would be a great idea. So maybe I can propose it to one of our contacts. <laughs> <laughs> As we are talking about sort of like keep in touch programs and alumni, so to speak, I've seen on your website some information about alumni from your own um, program and networking. So could you share a bit more what you do there? Uh, Power M has around four to 5,000 alumni by now. And we stay in touch with them through our newsletter and we host event, uh, networking events for that group. Um, and we think it's very useful to keep in touch with them. Most of them start to work for companies who have uh, job offerings uh, um, and they are coming back to us and tell us about those jobs. So we try to match them with some current participants. And um, also they recommend our program. So we have about 60% uh, our participants come through recommendations. So it's wow. a great network. And uh, it's also fantastic uh, women in fantastic jobs. And I think they are the best marketeers for mothers, uh, professional mothers we can have. That truly sounds wonderful. Earlier, you had mentioned that your organization is um, part of a German-wide umbrella organization with multiple um, locations. So I was trying to understand, are you all offering identical services or are there some regional differences between these um, more than 20 locations? There are definitely some difference between the different locations in the federal program. Mm -hmm. There is uh, first of all a difference between urban and rural locations. Uh, Munich of course obviously is a urban location so we have a lot of uh, High edu highly educated women participating. Um, in the rural area, the participants are more diverse. And then there's also a difference between the Western part and Germany and the former East Germany. Um, as you might, as, as you all probably know, East Germany had a tradition of women um, continuing to work. Right. 
also with children. And therefore, there are there is less interest in a, a program for uh, women returning to the to the workplace. So there are differences, um, but we also learn a lot from each other. And some other locations have a slightly different focus. Um, some of them they're working more with women who have to take care of elderly relatives. Mm -hmm. Some of them are working, especially in the rural areas, working more on getting women to providing services around households. So there is a, a lot of variety, but it's fun to learn from each others and we exchange knowledge and we have conferences together. And it's always great learning from, uh, from other cities and other locations. There might be somebody listening to us who is working for or is in some governmental position around the world. So I'm sure they're very curious to find out how is your organization financially supported? Um, we get funds. Power M is funded by different organizations. Um, first, uh, the initial funds and, and the largest funds are European funds. Uh, funds from the European Social Fund. So I'm a huge fan of the European Union, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, that European funding is channeled through the German government. So that's where we get the money from. And also uh, the local communities are sometimes very great sources of funding. Uh, the city of Munich provides about 40% of our funds. And uh, so it's basically that mixture, mixture, which also is good. So we can balance maybe a shortfall in one source of funding through another. I'm curious, do you know outside of Germany, are there, within Europe, are there other countries that have a similar program to you? Um, I, we, we actually started to talk to people in some Eastern European countries, but traditionally there, women have returned quicker to the labor market. Mm -hmm. So I haven't found a program similar to the one in Germany. Definitely not with the broad funding and the many locations. As we are talking about different countries, um, I think what people have often like here in British Columbia is there is a more sort of general service for people who are unemployed and um, are trying to return to the paid workforce. So um, people listening to us might be wondering, what do you see as a benefit of your program compared to sort of a more traditional job seeking service that might be um, provided by a local governmental um, organization? Um, we have the same discussion in Germany that uh, we have in Germany, the Agency for Labor, mm -hmm. which uh, provides a huge range of support services for unemployed. But we found that the women we are dealing with, they are not the typical unemployed. Um, they stay at home moms. They don't view each other as unemployed. Uh, in Germany, we have that expression of stille reserve, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. means hidden reserve or hidden potential. And therefore, they provide a more informal setting. Um, 
and therefore they prefer to go to a place where they meet other women and where they are where they can connect mm-hmm. and i don't think that they would find that at a traditional uh government government funded unemployed agency um and that's what we can do we can provide them bring them in contact in contact with other women like minded women and have small group settings so the whole setting is more informal that sounds really interesting and you know as we had talked before that one of the challenges is also like you know self confidence or lack thereof and and networking so in a way what you're providing is a immediate opportunity to network and realize that they're not alone and i'm sure that all helps to increase um the confidence as well absolutely and uh, i think that's always what participants tell us they say i i i always thought i was uh, just myself trying or having huge problems to get back to work and now i discover all these amazing women who are dealing with the same issues and it gives a lot of strength to be in a group and do that together. Yeah. So now if somebody is listening and were to try to start a small test or pilot in some city around the world, what would you tell them? I mean, when you guys started, how did you even like advertise that you existed and how did you first attract um these women? Uh, I would always go to the places where mothers go to. They go to kindergartens, they go mm-hmm. to schools, they go to doctors with their children, and uh, we send some information to those institutions and uh, put some flyers there or some posters. And that's how it all started. And we worked together with uh, schools, local schools, and said we can provide information and come and talk about returning to the workplace. And that actually worked pretty fine. And we we started with small groups and they grew and they talked about Power M. So we got a lot of recommendation, word of mouth. And Mm -hmm. so it started to become larger and larger. And now we have around 500 women each year. Wow. You know, Margaret, I could talk with you forever because to be honest, what your program is to me is like a best practice program that I hope will, you know, be in similar ways around the world, because I think it really creates that networking community for mainly women um, who want to return to the paid work and it gives them confidence. And I'm sure that really helps as well then to, um, when they apply for a position because they realize much more about their worth in the sense of all the skills they have learned. And so, you know, I, I'm just so appreciative that your program exists. So Thank you very much. It makes us feel very good to know that comes from Canada. <laughs> yes, yes. So now, is there anything else that you would like to share with our vis- uh, listeners that um, we haven't talked about? Um, I had one, one, one thing came, uh, came into my mind. Um, we always see that women are great networkers. 
we net network to get our kids to soccer, to get them to school, to organize some school events. But we realized that the same women who are great uh, in networking in their private lives are very hesitant to use those networks for their professional lives. Mm -hmm. So I would always encourage women to network if they're looking for a job, talk to their neighbors, talk to other school moms and use those great networks they have also to get a job and to connect professionally. And therefore, I also think you're doing a great job in, in putting out that podcast and trying to connect women around the world and uh, give them ideas about how their uh, future career path can go. Thank you. That That is such a good idea. Now, if we have people who would like to learn more, how can they connect with you and the program? We have a website, which you also mentioned. It's power-m.net. And there is also my contacts on that. And I also can send me an email. It's very easy, margaret.steinle at münchen.de. And maybe they're going to find that on your website. So please send me an email and I'm glad to answer. Thank you so much, Margaret. Yeah, I will be sure to put all that information also into the show notes. So when we publish the episode that everybody um, um, can contact you and find out more about um, the program on the website. Thank you very, very much for coming onto the show today. It was truly a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Karen, for having me. I really enjoyed it and wish you all the best as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. It was so interesting hearing from Margaret about the support her organization Power M provides to help professionals who have done unpaid care work or caregiving for many years and are now trying to return to paid work. The cohort way the program is set up clearly helps with the confidence building for the professionals as they lo no longer feel alone returning. I also loved that it focuses on identifying the many skills gained during care work and volunteering. It was great to hear that the employers they're working with really valued many of these gained skills as well as the very motivated attitude of the returners. The collaboration with the local employers by offering a free job board for jobs that were not entry-level positions and ideally flexible sounded excellent. If our conversation has interested you in hearing additional conversations that focus on supporting professionals returning back to the paid workforce, I would recommend listening to episode number 20, where I talk with the founder of talent, Jennifer Hargreaves, whose organization employs a back-to-work coach, and prior to COVID, they had set up a flexible returnship in Toronto. In episode 11, I talked to Julian Miles, MBE, chartered psychologist and co-founder of Women Returners, about her support for returning professionals in the UK and in Ireland. In episode 9, I spoke with Professor Beatrix Dart, who runs the Back to Work digital program at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto. Last, but certainly not least, Professor Dr. Eleonora Sui Winkles, 
uses her non-linear career and her experience and knowledge from it in very creative ways when teaching her current students and she told me about it in episode 13. I will put the links in the show notes and you can also head over to Emily's Past Consulting's website, which is E-M-I-L-Y-S-P-A-T-H dot C-A, where you can find these episodes and all the other previous ones, as well as the links to your favorite listening platforms so you can subscribe to the podcast there, as well as a way to subscribe to the Emily's Past Consulting's newsletter. And the next issue of the EPC newsletter is coming out on New Year's Eve. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.